What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ambitelica TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields, here on this Saturday, July the 17th, the year 2021. Got lots to do, lots to talk about here on this weekend's program. Of course, uh, game four of the 2021 NBA Finals. Uh, we have to go over from uh, earlier this week and game five that will tip off later tonight, Saturday night at nine o'clock Eastern time that I will definitely get into and preview and talk about for you guys uh, throughout the uh, duration of this program. Uh, the New York Yankees are dead. They're finished uh, having, uh, I mean, they are just getting their asses kicked up and down the uh, field, whether it's in the Bronx, whether it's at uh, Fenway Park up in Boston. They, nothing has gone right when the Bronx Bombers have played uh, the Bo Sox. They're dead. They're finished. They lost uh, I, I, They lost uh, last night in a game that they had to have coming off of that uh, disgraceful and embarrassing loss to close out the first half last Sunday. They're finished. Uh, I've been told you I've been saving up and trying to find the right time to strike with the New York Yankees. Uh, and that time to strike is today. We'll talk about the uh, New York Yankees and how they're dead. They're finished for the 2020 21 regular season. We'll get into that a little bit later on. Get into Jacques Peterson as it looks like the Cubs have seen the writing on the wall and uh, trying to uh, see if they can get some prospects back and kind of reload and revamp uh, for uh, future Cub teams later on in the 2020s uh, decade as they see the writing on the wall that they will not be a competitive uh, baseball team as far as World Series is concerned in 2021 as they ship off Jacques Peterson to the Atlanta Braves who are at death's door as far as their season is concerned but definitely need all the help that they can get with the Alberto Osuna situation with domestic violence and of course uh, Ronald Acuna tearing his ACL in Miami uh, last Saturday night so we'll get into that a little bit later on but where we begin uh, here on this Saturday program and nice to have you with us as always the Amatelica TIS podcast be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Amatel underscore TIS and the show on Instagram at Amatel underscore podcast and your boy on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield will be greatly appreciated but where we begin here on this mid-july weekend program and a shout out and a happy uh and a happy 17th birthday to a friend of the uh podcast show uh jacob bubalabasis he is my brother's uh, best friend played uh played baseball with him as known for the past five years or so uh we had him on the show a couple of times most recently uh april if not may or whatever it was a 2000 and uh and 20 so shout out to him he's a uh, list he's a uh, avid listener of the show so a happy birthday shout out to him and a happy uh 21st birthday to uh to my older cousin like an older sister to me uh many of you out there out there that listen may know her as k pumps but to me she's uh kendall pumphrey uh my uh big older sister that i never had because of course i'm the oldest in the fa- in uh, my family happy 21st birthday to her she doesn't listen uh not not that many of you all out there listen to this program her included uh she i don't even know if she's aware that i do this dopey show but if she is a happy birthday shout out to her happy birthday shout out to jacob now we will get into something that you know i may be late to the party on this you know but you know i had lots of lots of stuff to talk about in last saturday's show 
Uh, had lots of, of course, we had the great urinating tree on to recap the first half of the baseball season. If you have not listened to that uh, show yet, go pause this one and go back and listen to that one. He did an excellent job uh, here. He did an excellent job here for us. Uh, but so I, so I know I'm late to the party on this, but you know, with the slow day, with it being slow in sports and essentially having NBA finals and the Yankees to talk about as the second half of the baseball season is already is only what a day and a half old with a couple games going on on Saturday afternoon. And what, what do you want me to scream about? Scream about the Orioles uh, getting blown out because the fact they have no pitching for the nine millionth time. I'm sick and tired of doing that. Uh, and then it's too early for me to go, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, who cares? Let me know when he either gets traded, retires, opts out of playing in 2021, or when he shows up at Packer training camp uh, towards the uh, last, uh, well, I think training camp opens up the last week of July. Let me know, and then I'll talk Aaron Rodgers then. Uh, And all the other teams, you know, football, you know, it's right around the corner, but it's still a bit ways away. It's still... Uh, what is today? The seventeenth. So it's about two. It's less than two months away uh, from the season kicking off. Can't do NFL. Can't do college football. Uh, so you leave me no choice. And this, and I saw this last Saturday afternoon uh, while I was coming from a uh, a a a, 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 a church uh, toy donation drive. This re- this really really bothered me. Uh, seeing that Addison Ray, who I guess is some who I guess is some TikTok dancer, you know, these, you know, these TikTok dopes, these quote unquote, uh, social media influences that don't have a talent, that don't have a real true talent or skill that they can adapt to in the real world, never had a real, uh, job in corporate America ever in their lives yet get on TikTok or get on Instagram or, or, or YouTube, whatever it is. And, you know, shake their ass or or attempt to dance or lip sync lip sync over music and call themselves talented and call themselves having a real a decent job that can uh, get the bills paid. But I guess she's some uh, TikTok and social media influencer that's famous in this whole TikTok controversy among the Addison Rays of the world that essentially steal steal uh steal dance moves from black tiktokers that aren't as popular and aren't as mainstream i guess as she is steal their moves and go out there and, and go on her own uh page and essentially copy paste what she sees the black social the black tiktokers do and her and her uh and her uh, clout and her popularity go, goes up tenfold i won't uh, i would imagine you would know the reason why uh, but which is another argument and another discussion altogether. But I was absolutely floored when I was ch- scrolling through my Twitter feed uh, last Saturday, last Saturday afternoon, and saw that she was covering that UFC 264 fight between D- between uh, Dustin Poir- between Dustin Poirier and uh, Conor and Conor McGregor out in Vegas. Uh, last uh, last Saturday, out there near the, outside of the uh, T-Mobile Arena down there in, on on the Vegas Strip. I mean, I was absolutely floored. I mean, the fact uh, the fact that she, 
a person who, according to, and I saw and I read this in the New York Post uh, last week, who apparently went studied broadcast journalism, which which is what yours truly is is trying to uh, is trying to accomplish with his career, with the helps of Christopher Mad Dog Russo and others. Uh, went to broad went studied broadcast journalism in college for three months, three months. And yet is covering a top tier sporting event, you know, where the Max Kellmans and the Stephen A. Smiths of the world and the people, you know, the fight was on a ESPN plus uh, via pay-per-view. The, the, you know, the Stephen A. Smiths, Stephen A. Smiths and the Max Kellmans of the world and the uh, and the Teddy Atlases of the world were covering the fight. And yet, uh, and yet, somehow, some way, Addison Ray, who again, her, her, by her own self admission, went to college to study broadcast journalism for three months, went to go f- cover a freaking uh, top dollar a a a plus ticket uh, a list uh, UFC fight in McGregor and Poirier. You have got, got, got to be kidding me! I mean, three months of of I mean, three months. Three months of broadcast journalism, and she's out there ringside covering on the red carpet, covering the Poirier and McGregor fight. I mean, you got to be kidding me! This is this is what the world has come to now. This this is what the this is what the journalism uh, in the in the media profession and, and and the medium itself has come to. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, what 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 are we doing here, guys? I mean, the journalism is more than is more than just now. I understand. Well, look at you. You're hosting a podcast. You're not a you're not a journalist. But yeah, I, yes, I get that at the moment. Now I'm not. But my point and my purpose in this life and what I plan on doing. And Lord willing, if you're one of my prayer warriors out there, go out there and pray for yours truly to get into one of the best journalism schools, and that is the University of Maryland College Park. But I'm supposed. But I'm trying to put myself in a position where I can go to school and study for four years. And work my way up. Now I'm not a UFC. Now I'm not a, now UFC isn't exactly you know my belly wick and isn't my cup of tea. But if I wanted to go out there and cover a future UFC fight, I could have I could I could work for it because of the fact that I went to school for, that I went to school for it. I study it, but meaning I watch a couple you know that I watch some fights and I know what the hell is going on. And the fact that I work my way up the ladder. To put myself in a position where I can cover a UFC a UFC fight with Conor McGregor, uh, with Conor McGregor participating, and where I could cover a Super Bowl, cover an NBA Finals, cover an NCAA uh, Final Four basketball uh, championship, cover uh, a, a college football playoff national championship game, cover the World Series, things of that nature. I'm not just gonna sit up here and and, and and prance my happy ass over over to Vegas to cover the dopey fight just because oh who the who uh, look I'm Addison Wright don't you know don't you know who I am I sit up here and 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 shake my toothbrush hips you know on TikTok for millions of people you know to get their jollies off at I mean that's not being a that's not what being a journalist is about. I mean, what a disgrace that was, and then and then I and then I, I see and I wonder why people pull their hair out and, and why the uh, and why the uh, journalism profession has completely fallen off. Okay, there has to you a you have to a you have to have a gift, a you have to have a gift, 
because not every because it, because if it was so easy to go out there and put a microphone in somebody's hand and talk in, and talk in front of a TV camera or talk behind, sitting behind a microphone in a padded in a padded enclosed room or uh, or writing a column in a newspaper or magazine everybody will be doing it. So first off there's there's an art form to this. There's an art form you either have it or you don't. You either have the gift of the gab or you don't. You either have the gift of the uh, of the uh, of the pen and paper of, of of writing or you don't. And then of course you have to be educated and go through and, and go through all that. Go through school and schooling and internships and everything else and and work your way up from covering you know high school football games and then work your way up from and then work your way up from there. So I I, under, I understand that part of it, but the other part is that people have essentially just ignored when it comes to journalism and broadcasting and and, and things and things along those lines that there's an art form to this. There's an art. There's a there's there's an art, there's a gift, there's a talent that's involved in this. You don't wake up out of the bed every morning and not not everybody is Christopher Mad Dog Russo. Not everybody is Stephen A. Smith. Not everybody is uh not everybody is uh, is uh, Mike Greenberg. Not everybody is Mike Golick. Not everybody is uh, not everybody's Bob Costas or Marv Albert or Kevin Harlan or uh, or or Kenny Albert or Brian Kenny or Matt Viscursion or Gary Thorne or Jim Nance. I don't particularly care for him or Joe, uh, but it still applies. Not everybody is Joe Buck. Not everybody is Stuart Scott, God rest his soul. Not everybody is Scott Van Pelt. Not everybody's Mike Francesa. We either have a talent and you were and God give and God bless you with the gifts and the ability to do something like this or 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 not. So that's part of the problem and why the whole journalism profession is just it's a, it's a complete farce it's because you got a lot of people doing it that don't have that aren't freaking talented in this field. Conducting interviews, broadcasting games, being a reporter. That's an that's art form. That's art. That's art. It's it, that's art. That's God-given skill, God-given talent, God-given ability. You don't just you know put you don't just put put a dress on it and walk and 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 carry a chartered jet to uh to onto the red carpet outside of the T-Mobile Arena in Vegas to cover a fight and all of a sudden think you're Howard Cosell or Lisa Salters or or Aaron Andrews or Tracy Wolfson or Ken Rosenthal doesn't work that way. So the fact that she went three whole months. Three months. That's what? That's August to September, September to October, October to November. So practically nearly took an entire semester, not even, of of of, of a broadcast journalism, and all of a sudden thinks that she and shame on Dana White and the UFC for gifting her the freaking credential. You had to have a credential to get in there and to cover those things. Dana White is that desperate for some freaking buzz and some freaking attention? I mean, you got Stephen A. Smith there. You got all the buzz you freaking need. 
ESPN's broadcasting the damn thing. How much buzz do you need? Yeah, Conor McGregor participating in a dopey thing. Why, why, why does she even have a freaking credential to get into the building? Three whole months, and she gets, and she essentially gets the invitation to walk up in there and to cover a UFC 264 event. Three whole months. No diploma, no finals, no internship, no covering uh, no covering any high school uh, sports games, no uh, no uh, D3 college events, no nothing. I'd at least be somewhat satisfied if you if you sent her out there to cover the dopey uh the Mayweather and Logan Paul fight from a few months ago. Or 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 or, or when Logan Paul and KSI went at it. They are not I I I, I get that. But this is a, this is a big deal. Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. And three whole months of journalism school, and you're going to, and, and 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 UFC thinks that little of the uh, of the of the of the journalism profession and 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 the arts that is broadcasting with a cat with a microphone in your hand in front of a camera thinks that lowly of it. They're going to put a freaking TikTok dancer to go out to to to, to center out there live. On a private, on a on a on a chartered flight out there to Vegas, and is going to send and is going to send her out there to cover to cover a UFC fight, with three whole months, taking three whole months of broadcast journalism in college, they think that little of the of of, of the art and the and the and the gift that it that is that is broadcasting, and being a and and, and journalism and being a reporter. Think that lonely of they're gonna send a freaking TikTok star to cover their big event? Really? Really? I mean, yeah. What I mean, would you think? Let me let me ask you guys a question. Would would you think? Would you think? Would you think that that CBS would CBS send? Marlon Webb, who who was a who was an internet celebrity back back in the day with his with his vines and everything else, and you have no idea who he is. Look him up. Would you think that CBS would send Marlon Webb to the uh, would 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 send Marlon Webb to the um, to to go ahead and cover uh to go ahead and cover the uh the, the Broncos the Broncos Panthers Super Bowl a few years ago. I mean, really? My God! I mean, what, what, what has journalism brought itself to? Edward R. Murrow and Walter Cronkite are rolling over in their graves. All of a sudden, think you just you can put a microphone in somebody's hands, and all of a sudden, their Tom broke off. Give me a break. I mean, there's an art form to this. You know how many people have worked their rear ends off throughout college, 
and have stayed up not and have stayed up studying for finals and working their, their, their tails off and have covered and have covered these lowly garbage sporting events and have gone about it and not said a word but have bitten the but have bitten the bullet and 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 and, and, and swallowed their pride and go out there and and put their egos aside and have gone there and covered these godforsaken sporting events in these dopey little small towns in the United States night after night after night after night after night have gotten a handful of internships and yet for whatever the reason still haven't made it big yet on the big time networks covering the big time events. How do you think those those people like this? People that, that studied and worked their ass off for four years that couldn't get a job. Yet all of a sudden Addison Ray is Addison Ray and she's on TikTok stealing black uh TikTok dancers uh, uh content and, and then passing it off as a role, so practically plagiarizing other people's work and and getting and getting uh views and hits and likes through the roof. Yeah, we're gonna send her over there to Vegas to cover a UFC fight. I mean, you must, you must be kidding me. Not everybody can do this. There's an art to this. You can't just because because either someone is famous for something totally different than than than, 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 than broadcasting, or because they have a pretty face, or they can dance, or they can dance worth worth a squirrel fart. You don't stick a microphone in their in their hand and call themselves a reporter, call themselves a journalist, and have them go ahead and cover these these big time sporting events. I mean, it was a it was a disgrace when uh, when when Inside Edition sent freaking uh, Catherine Webb to cover the freaking Ravens 49ers Super Bowl ten years ago, or oh, there, thereabouts, eight eight nine years ago. That was a disgrace. She's attractive back in her day. Don't get me wrong, but what the hell is she doing at freaking media day of the of the, of the Super Bowl? What is the what is the medium come to? Seriously, I'm sitting up here trying to trying to scratch and claw and do the best I freaking can to make it in this business. I mean, I, for, for this dopey show, I can't get a rating unless I have a semi-popular guest on. I get crapped on by anchor by this stupid app uh, uh, going to crap every single five seconds because it's more preoccupied with what the hell Demi Lovato has to say. Try to make it here. Try. I hit my knees every single night praying to God that 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 I can get into the University of Maryland College Park. So I can one day be, be be on the mic to cover a Super Bowl. And I got Addison Ray covering a UFC event. Really? Who would who wouldn't know who wouldn't know Mike Tyson from George Foreman? Really?
And I got and I, and I got Paige Spirenak, whatever her name is, a, a, a Instagram golfer sitting up here d d defending her. Defending, really? Saying, oh, don't discredit all of her work. Oh, shut up, will you please? Do discredit all her work. Yeah, three months of college is, 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 is tons of hard work, Paige. Give me a break. Uh, don't discredit all of her hard work. UFC is smart to someone to hire someone with millions of followers. Yeah, but at what cost? You donkey. Don't discredit all her hard work. Oh, shut up. What you're talking about? Hard work. Oh, give me a freaking break. Uh, I can't even, you can't you can't defend this folks. It is indefensible. And it's a joke. Again, how about how about we go back go back flashback 2016, 2015, whatever it was those last years before Vine shut down, go back in time and and get Marlon Webb to ask uh, to ask uh, the Peyton Manning questions by his locker prior to Super Bowl 50. How about we go ahead and we do that? How about we do that? How about how about or better yet? How about we get a dude? How about we get Dude Perfect to in it to interview uh, LeBron prior to Game Seven of, of the sixteen NBA Finals against Golden State? Van Gundy, uh, Mark Jackson, and uh, Breen can throw can throw it to uh, can throw it over to Dude Perfect to interview uh, Tyron Lue for the half. How about we do that? My goodness gracious! I mean, it's 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 just become a joke. Three months, three months studying broadcast journalism at, at at LSU, and we're covering UFC fights in Vegas. Really? Don't discredit all of her hard work. Three months is nothing. Give me a break. Where else was I going to go today? Addison Ray pissed me off last Saturday. Kept it uh, in my back pocket for me to use uh, in a. In an event where the sports world uh, wasn't a lot happening, so here I am. I mean, all her hard work. Page, 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 page. I understand that, you know, you get millions of likes because you look good swinging a golf club, but don't perpetuate the dumb blonde stereotype saying stupid, asinine things like that. Okay, when you're in college for three months, that, that that's not hard work. Uh, hard work, my ass, hard work. Three three months studying broadcast journalism in college at LSU is damn near next to nothing. You, you might as well just save the tuition money, not even bother of going. Please. And for Dana White to be so obsessed with followers and, and, and trying to get a, a flash in the pan, hot buzz and everything. I mean, you had Stephen A. Smith covering the dopey thing. Stephen A. Smith taking time off from covering, you know, in between uh, games of the NBA Finals, flew out to Vegas on his private jet to cover the fight. You're not that desperate for attention. We have Stephen A. Smith sitting ringside covering the dopey thing. Flew from Phoenix to Vegas to Milwaukee in like a 72, 56-hour period. You're not that desperate for buzz. I mean, you had Stephen A. do an interview with Conor McGregor hours before the fight started. You're not that desperate. Please. Please. When, when you're a topic of conversation on all the major sports 
cable news shows. You're not that desperate where you have to have a a a, 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 a TikToker that does that does, has nothing else better to do than to steal fellow black TikTokers content to go out there and and to, and to send her on a chartered flight to cover the dopey fight in Vegas. You're not that desperate for attention when the Stephen A. Smiths and the Max Kellermans of the world and the, and the Shannon Sharps and the Skip Baylesses are, break, are, are, are breaking that down instead of Shohei Otani's batting average. Please, enough. Take a break. Just getting riled up and just getting started. I'm Tillican TIS Podcast back after this. Welcome back to the Amatelica TIS podcast. Switching gears now to the NBA Finals as we recap Game 4 and look at the Game 5 uh, later on uh, tonight at 9 o'clock in the East, which is way, 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 way too late for an NBA Finals game. Uh, I understand that, you know, that it's in Phoenix, so you got to deal with time change and everything else, but... For the love of God, I mean, it's a Saturday night. You couldn't put that. I mean, so which which makes it even more of a disgrace. I mean, you couldn't put it uh, at a seven o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock uh, Eastern time, uh, so we can all watch the game and be in bed by ten thirty, eleven o'clock. Those of us who you know have uh, church obligations on us on Sunday morning early, uh, or those who like to go to early brunch, or those who just have uh, Sunday morning obligations in general. I mean, the NBA couldn't have put the game, uh, had had the game start at 7 or 8 o'clock uh, Eastern time at night. I mean, their ratings have been what they are to begin with anyway. They're not too, they're the, the, they have, the market size between the two cities are not that big, and it is, and it is uh, mid-July they're playing the NBA Finals, not mid-June like they have been, like, you know, which we've been accustomed to the last few years, of course, prior to COVID. But they couldn't have start the game. I mean, the Phoenix Suns fans are going to show up if the game starts at 6 o'clock local time, 7 o'clock local time, 8 o'clock local time. I mean, and I think... 
And I think because the state of Arizona, I think it's the only state, I could be wrong on that, but Arizona is one of those states that doesn't, um, that doesn't observe daylight savings time. So during the spring, so during the spring, summer and the, and the month and the early parts of the fall, when the clocks of, when the clocks are sprung forward, uh, Phoenix is three, Phoenix is, has the same time zone, uh, has the same time difference as as uh, California and all those state and all those states on the West Coast by the Pacific Ocean. So it's three hours behind during the spring and summertime, and two hours behind. I believe I'm not positive. I believe it's two hours behind uh, during the uh, during the winter time. But Arizona, you know, they operate by their own thing. They don't observe daylight savings time. Uh, so so. Like I so I could appear so during this time of the year they're three hours behind. It's basically no different between the East Coast and Los Angeles. But having said that, we got to start the game at nine o'clock at night on a Saturday night. I mean, you had a fantastic you had a fantastic game on you had a fantastic 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 game uh, on Wednesday. And to be quite honest with you, they the the games in Milwaukee especially don't have to start at nine o'clock at Eastern time too. I mean, they could. They can't start these games at eight thirty, eight o'clock at night. I mean, nine o'clock at night on a, on a week. I mean, really. And the only time, and the only time you get an early start time is when the games are played on Sundays. I mean, seriously. Seriously, I mean, we we can't we can't. This game cannot start on a Saturday on a sat in a Saturday late afternoon Saturday evening when there's nothing else going on in sports unless you're a baseball fan in the middle of July. It's not a holiday weekend. We cannot start the game at eight o'clock, eight thirty Eastern time, seven thirty, seven o'clock at the earliest. I mean, I understand that you know the 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 Phoenix Suns fan would be all juiced out if you start the game at four o'clock, four thirty, or five o'clock local time, and they'll be you know what do we do now? You know, once when it's still a lot of the night left, when it's eight thirty, not when it's eight o'clock, eight thirty, nine o'clock uh, local time. But still, I mean, we 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 gotta start the game at nine o'clock at night. And and when they ever say nine o'clock at night, the games never tip off directly at nine o'clock at night. They tip off at nine ten, nine fifteen, nine seventeen, nine twenty. I mean, really, NBA? This is this is what we're doing now. And I, and I, and the last time I talked to you all, I gave the NBA crap about how um, about how the about how the days in between the games are too split, few and far in between. But the time, but the times of these games when they start are absolutely ridiculous. There's no excuse for them. Anyway, I'm getting off the beat path. What I do want to talk about though is that phenomenal game four, which by far is the best game of the entire series. Milwaukee winning by six, uh, one oh nine. 109 to 103. I mean, it was just a ph- it was phenomenal. And I told you all on Wednesday that uh, you wouldn't expect Devin Booker to shoot as pathetic uh, from the field as shooting the basketball as he was in Game 3. Game 4, he came out guns blazing. 17-28 from the field. Could not make a three-pointer to save his life. But for the most part, he, uh, he only attempted three to his credit. But he was 17-28 from the field. Scored 42 points. Had a rebound, two had a rebound, two assists, and a block. Had a phenomenal night offensively. Was near perfect from the free throw line, making eight of, making eight of his nine free throws. Uh, and I told you all on Wednesday that he was due. That he was due. 
and don't expect him and bet the farm on the fact that he was going to spit the bit in back-to-back games. Now, Chris Paul, on the other hand, who has just been, we'll do the Suns first, and then we'll do Milwaukee second. I mean, Chris Paul, I mean, where where has he been? In game, in game four uh, on Wednesday night, he was 5 of 13 from the field, could not make a, a he attempted a three-pointer twice, missed two of them, couldn't get to the free throw line, scored a total of 10 points, and turned off the basketball five times. And all I raved about uh, in June and in late May about Chris Paul, you know, when he finally got over his little uh, shoulder escapade in the uh, opening series against the Lakers, all I said and all I raved and went on and on and on and on and on, and on about Chris Paul about is the fact that what a phenomenal job. He doesn't turn off the basketball. He picks and chooses his spots and he and he scores the and he and his point scoring has just been off the freaking charts. He had a phenomenal series against Denver. Was very well against uh, was very well against the Clippers, and he and he turns and he turns around and in back to back games he's been very he's been very he's been very underwhelming. I mean in back in back to back in back to back games he's turned over the ball a total nine times. In this series he's turned over the basketball sixteen times. No, excuse me, seventeen times. And he rarely turned off the basketball in the playoffs from the Clippers, from the Lakers series to the Denver series to the Clippers series. And throughout this series, he's turned over the basketball collectively 17 times. And 15 out of 17 times have been in the previous three games. Game two, he turned it over in which the Suns ended up winning that game by 10. He turned over the basketball six times. Game three, he turned over the basketball four times and scored a very underwhelming, uh, and, and, and not, I mean, he had nine assists, all things being considered in a steal. But 19 points, turned over the basketball four times. And in game four, the wheels fell off. Shot 38% from the field. Uh, scored a scored a scored a very very pathetic for a Hall of Fame. So this guy's supposed to be a Hall of Fame. I mean he is, but for a Hall of Fame point guard, it's gonna you know Hall of Fame point guard that wants to be considered one of the best uh, in the history of the uh, position in the sport. Ten points in the NBA Finals game. Uh, we had turned over the basketball five times is absolutely pathetic. When you've had the postseason that he's had. Up until up until essentially uh, game two, as far as his ball control and just and and the positive impact that he's had uh, when he's when he's on out there on the court with his with his teammates. I mean, seventeen turnovers, seventeen turnovers, and he haven't even played the fifth game yet. Played four games and he's turned over the basketball seventeen times. As a guy that's going, that's a future Hall of Fame point guard in the NBA that's been in the league for sixteen years. That's unacceptable, especially, especially because of how well he's he has played throughout this throughout this entire Suns postseason run. He was phenomenal off the charts against Denver in the sweep. Was very good against the Clippers and came back and came back and and uh, and did his part. Uh, later on, when he finally got his uh, feet underneath him in the opening series against the Lakers, but he's—I mean—he had a—he had a nice game one, but since game one, the wheels have fallen off for of Chris Paul, and he's completely, completely disappeared. 
And that's not going to help your chances when Jay Crowder's threes aren't falling. He was three. He was three of ten from the field. Three of nine from three. He uh, he also turned off the basketball a plenty three times. That's not going to help it when Jay Crowder's three ball three ball isn't falling. Uh, and and Devin Booker essentially has to do everything by himself. I mean, it's it's just not good enough, and it's also not going to help your matters when Giannis has puts on a defensive clinic with three steals, two block, the key block, which we'll get to, was nine of was excuse me was eleven of nineteen from the field, scored twenty six points, had fourteen rebounds, eight assists, and then of course, and then uh, Chris Middleton, who like like I've said all throughout these entire playoffs, is that when he's on and when he is dropping 30-plus points a night. The Milwaukee, there's no stopping the Milwaukee Bucks because, you know, Giannis, Giannis is going to do his thing. But when Middleton is on, the Bucks are on. And he had a and he had a NBA Finals performance that until you know we'll see what happens come come uh, tonight's game. But as of this moment, a performance that he won't forget and something that's very memorable that's going to go down as one of his uh, favorite performances of his uh, NBA career. Forty points, fifteen to thirty three from the field, uh, had six rebounds, four assists, two steals, um, shot. Uh, was near perfect from the free throw line, 15 of 33 from the field, and 3 of 8 from 3, and, and a 40-point performance. I mean, you see, I mean, you're not helping yourself, sons. You're not doing it. You're not helping yourselves when your second-best player, your most important player, Chris Paul's turning over the basketball hand over fist and can't, and can't make a shot off a boat into the ocean, and, and collectively, as a team, you turn over the basketball 17 times. Not a recipe for winning basketball games. Turn over the basketball 17 times and uh, and Chris Paul not showing up. I'm sorry. When Giannis is putting on a defensive clinic and Chris Middleton shooting shooting the ball on Wednesday night could do no wrong. This, you're not helping yourselves. You're just not helping yourselves. Helping yourselves. Getting out-rebounded offensively. Milwaukee had 17 offensive rebounds. The Phoenix Suns could only muster up five. Milwaukee stole the ball left and right to uh, stole the ball left and right Wednesday night. They racked up eleven steals. Phoenix can only rack up nine. Not good enough, guys. Not good enough. Now the referee. Now the refs were absolutely atrocious on Wednesday night. You know I don't need the refs injecting guys. It's the NBA Finals. I don't need I don't need the referees injecting themselves into every single uh every single moment of every single play, every single possession, every single time you turn around there's a whistle blowing for a ticky tacky foul that really doesn't even matter that they could have gone without calling. I don't need that. And if you could make the argument that then I'll get and I'll get to Devin Booker getting getting lucky in a minute. But if you want to make the argument that that if you think in my eyes, you know, I'm rooting for Phoenix to win, but I'm not a Phoenix Suns fan by any stretch of the imagination. You know, I, I from what I saw, from what I saw is that Phoenix got the bad whistle on uh, on Wednesday night. Phoenix got the bad whistle. Now, the refs were atrocious on both sides, but if you had to pinpoint it, see what team got got uh, did not what team uh, got screwed by rough ball more than the other one. In my estimation, it was the Phoenix Suns. 
But the refs have to wake up, okay? The NBA Finals is not about them. No one is turning on the TV at 9 o'clock at night. No one is going is walking into the arena to, to sit down in the arena or standing outside the Deer District uh, to watch to watch the refs uh, wreck an NBA Finals basketball game. Okay, this is the NBA Finals, guys. Wake up. We're not here to see you do your job. We're here to see Devin Booker, uh, Chris Paul, Giannis, Chris Middleton do theirs. All you do is just is just make sure that things that, that things don't get out of hand. The rules are enforced, and you uh, and you make it known whenever the rules are are you know are blatantly and and significantly violated. Not these ticky tacky, uh, you know, shooting fouls that that and 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 and, and ticky tacky blocks versus charges, which drove me crazy. Now I understand that you know if the if the Suns would have won the game it would have been a huge hubbub and it would have been arguably the greatest uh, the greatest controversy in the history of the NBA Finals because uh, because uh, Devin Booker clearly wrapped up and meant to hug and foul Drew Holiday with three forty two left in the fourth quarter when Phoenix was up by three and they didn't call it when Devin Booker was sitting there with five fouls and should have fouled out. So I get that 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 you know that if Phoenix would have won this game, you know the Suns couldn't couldn't say boo about the rest because they got the absolute break biggest break of all time. But still, I mean the the refs were the refs. I mean you couldn't go a possession without the refs blowing a whistle or calling a foul or finding somehow some way to eject themselves into the game, and yet. When it's when when the when the play is there for them to be all over with Devin Booker practically bear hugging Drew Holiday when he's going up for a layup to to bring Milwaukee within a point in late in the uh, you know in the late stages of the fourth quarter the refs somehow some way swallow their whistle which is uh, which is an absolute disgrace and the NBA and this goes for all the leagues the NBA needs to do needs to and all the leagues need need to do a better job of holding their officials more accountable and and not and stop trying so hard to to uh save them from media and public scrutiny and trying to protect them okay Devin, uh when Chris Paul turned over the basketball left and right he had he had he had to face the music when Monty Williams, uh, you know, for for once in in this entire playoff run that I've seen from Phoenix, arguably play their play their sloppiest game offensively of the postseason, he had to go out there and face the music. No different with the referees. Just because nobody's buying their shoe or wearing their jersey doesn't mean that they're that they're ostr- that they that they are excused from being uh, scrutinized and questioned. Because they're out there on the court along along with the ten other basketball players, those wearing the Milwaukee Bucks white and those wearing the Phoenix Suns orange, no different. But and it was a, and it was a bad job by Booker. You know why? Book now I understand. Now I didn't think about this. Uh, I didn't think about this until Thursday morning. But the fact that it would go through Devin Booker's head. To foul and then wrap up Drew Holiday when he's going up for a layup when the Suns are when there's a huge I mean three minutes and thirty seconds is an eternity in a uh, in a bat in a basketball game I mean no no as it's not the NFL where you know where you run where you run a play that you uh, the offense milks the milks the clock 
And, you know, next thing you know, he's sitting there at the two-minute warning in two, you know, five minutes later of, of real time. This, this is not football. Three minutes and 30 seconds is an eternity, eternity in a game of basketball. So the fact that, that it would come through, that Devin Book, that it, would, it would go through Devin Booker's mind to think that it would be smart to intentionally foul Drew Holiday in that situation when they're up three, there's three minutes and 30 seconds left. If Holiday makes the, makes the, uh, makes the uh, layup on the fast break, the, the Suns are still up by one, that was stupid. But what's even ten times worse is is not is 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 the refs essentially not punishing Booker for his stupidity. Because the decision to foul him when he's up three and there's plenty of time left in the game was dumb. But the the fact that the refs essentially looked the other way and didn't decide to call a foul is absolutely positively just inexcusable. And again, I hope when they went back to the hotel rooms. I hope that they hit their knees and thank the good Lord upstairs that the, that the Milwaukee Bucks ended up winning that game because the Phoenix Suns would have won and Devin Brooker would have made the game-winning shot or the game-winning or a game-winning dunk or a game-winning layup or a game-sealing uh, block or steal. They would have. They they, uh, they 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 couldn't hide. They uh, you know you know what the case would have been. They would have had to essentially dig their ways. Out of out of Milwaukee, if Devin Booker would have somehow, some way, uh, put his own little stamp on the Phoenix Suns taking uh, Game Four, so they, they so they're lucky as all get out that the Bucks was able to hang on and win that game because there would have been a freaking riot. If uh, and 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 God knows about death threats and their lives being in jeopardy and everything else because and, and not and, and 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 no sense in going on the internet looking at Twitter reading the newspapers watching television because they would have got been destroyed destroyed if the Suns would have won on Wednesday night destroyed destroyed. And then, of course, Giannis, you know, with one of the greatest, I wouldn't go greatest blocks I've ever seen, one of the best blocks uh, as far as the, the, the level of skill that it took to do it, you're ever going to see, and definitely one of the best blocks you're ever going to see in NBA history where he blocks uh, DeAndre Ayton going up for an alley-oop, Devin Booker to Ayton on the alley-oop with uh, 115 left in the fourth quarter with Milwaukee up by two, up by a, a two-point basket. One of the greatest blocks you're ever going to see. I mean, literally had to, literally, he wasn't even positioned to, he, he wasn't positioned. He was straight, he was out of position. He was focused on, if you if you go back and you watch it, he's, he's literally standing there in the middle of the key. Chris Paul runs by him. Devin Booker, dribble, dribble, dribble. Passes it to Aiton, and when the ball is just, is when Booker is releasing the ball, Giannis's back is towards Aiton. And jumps up and somehow, some way, turns around. I'm looking at it right now. Turns around, kind of does a pirouette when he's up in the air, like in one motion. He jumps, turns around, and finds Aiton to block the basketball and to uh, and to preserve the Milwaukee uh, and to preserve the Milwaukee lead late in the fourth quarter. I mean, I mean, it was a hell of a block. I mean, you got to admit. And I didn't steal the game. 
and then you didn't seal the game. They won like you know LeBron game seven, you know, in a in a in a championship clinching environment, but still was a hell of a block. I mean, he had he had his back towards Aiton, somehow, somehow followed the basketball from Booker's hands up until up to around the backboard near Aiton's hands, jumped. And turned around all in one motion. I mean, you watch it in real time. It's just one big fluid motion where he turned his back from Aiton to the uh, from Aiton to the Phoenix Suns bench, and somehow, someway, finds a way to to stop uh, DeAndre Aiton finishing the alley oop flush from Devin Booker, which would have tied the game at 101 points apiece. But uh, looking ahead to game, uh, looking ahead to game five. Uh, here on Saturday night, listen, here in Phoenix, you would figure that Phoenix losing back-to-back games and losing both games in Milwaukee, you'd figure that they were, you know, and like I said the other day, having some, having a few days to chew and gnaw on the bad taste in their mouth because Gian, because I know that Giannis block stung seeing it all over the place with the Giannis block, people going crazy about the Giannis block, uh, and then of course Chris Middleton going off for 40 points, uh, and then, of course, the Phoenix Suns, by their own fault, beat themselves. I mean, turn off the basketball left and right. Chris Paul was absolutely nowhere to be found in Game Four, and has been a shell of himself for the majority for the majority of the first uh, four games in this series. Uh, so you know that they, and of course, they, and in my eyes, I think they're going to play a little bit pissed off because if they would have won Game Four in Milwaukee the other night, Game Five they would have been walking in, they would have been walking into Game Five up three one with a chance to win their first NBA championship in franchise history in front of uh, in front of their home crowd, and you know that's going to bother them because I would imagine some somebody in a Phoenix Suns uniform, whether it's uh, whether it's Mike. Cal Bridges, Jay Crowder, whoever it is, somebody's going to be sitting up there, you know, worn up. They're either going to say it in their head, they're going to say it underneath their breath while the music is blaring and people are filing into the uh, arena there. And Phoenix is going to be like, damn, if we would have took care of business a couple of days ago, we we honestly could be sitting up here tonight. This game would be, a, you know, it'd be a funeral for the for the Bucks season, and we'd be and if we win and if we would have won if we would have took care of business on Wednesday and then come in here and win tonight, we we'd be partying. We'd be partying like it's uh, you know partying all, till all hours of the night to the break of dawn, celebrating our first NBA championship. So I think that's also go that's also going to uh, have provide a little ounce of influence. Uh, for Phoenix as well, because if they would have took care of business the other night, they went tonight. See, series seasons over, and they're NBA champions. So, and uh, and Chris Paul is you know historic. He's got. He, you would think, you would think that he would not spit the bit and and be uh, you know and be a uh, turnover machine for a third game in the for fourth what a, a third fourth game in a row. In this series, you would you would think that a, that a man that that waited 16 years, nearly his entire NBA career up until this point, to get into the NBA Finals to compete for a championship, you think he wouldn't come this far to essentially, whether the Suns win or not, to be pathetic and 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 80 percent of the NBA of the NBA Finals games that he's playing in. You so you'd think that he would bounce back. 
You know Devin Booker's going to be on his game. Be interesting to see, again, what Bucks show up. You know, they were consistent for once in their lives, playing excellent basketball in games three and four in Milwaukee. You wonder if they forget how to play the sport. Giannis jacking up threes and Chris Middleton, uh, his jump shots aren't falling and he, and he becomes ice cold. Uh, at following his performance in Game Four on Wednesday night, you you fit you wonder that as well. And also, here's another thing to keep in mind too: the home team in every game in this series has won. Phoenix took the first two. Milwaukee took the took the most recent two games three and four, and now as games five, six, and seven essentially will alternate each site. Game five, game five. Uh, Game 5 in Phoenix, Game 6 in Milwaukee, and Game 7 in Phoenix. Best of three. Best of three. So, it wouldn't shock me that that we have an NBA Finals that goes to seven with the Suns winning, winning on their home court with every home team winning the game and essentially it coming down to who has home court. And it would be the Suns that would get it as the two, as the two in the West uh, over, uh, over where the, the Bucks were seated. But, but some if in order for this series to end in six, well, I'll check that. But if for, in order for, in order for the Bucks to win in six, they got they got to win tonight. Somebody the, the 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 curse not the curse but the streak has the end, and somebody has to win on the road in this series. And if the Bucks want and if the Bucks want to do it in front of their home crowd, they got to take care of business here tonight. They have to, or else you know you're celebrating in Phoenix instead of in Milwaukee, where they haven't won a championship in 50 years. But keep that in mind as well. Take a break. The Yankees are dead. I'll explain why. Here to wrap back to wrap things up. Back in the flash. Welcome back to the I'm Telekatia's podcast. Wrapping things up with some uh, Major League Baseball news. Before we get to the Yankees, uh, they're dead. They're finished. Um, we'll get to them in a minute. Um, but we got some uh, a trade as far as the sport is concerned between the Atlanta Braves and the Chicago Cubs. Uh, the Braves acquired Jacques Peterson uh, for minor league first baseman Bryce Hall, uh, this is on Thursday. Peterson, who's 29 years old, formerly of the Los Angeles Dodgers, in his first year uh, with the Cubs, when he signed a one-year, four and a half million dollar deal this past offseason, uh, he has he has hit 
230 this season, 100, excuse me, 11 home runs, 39 RBIs, 715 uh, OPS for the Chicago for the Chicago Cubs. This comes after, of course, uh, Ronald Acuna tore his ACL last Saturday in their game uh, on the road against the against the uh, Miami Marlins. Um, so you, so they will get, so the Cubs, uh, dump, I mean, it's easy, I mean, it's an easy salary to dump one year, five and a half, one year, was it five and a half, yeah, uh, one year, excuse me, four and a half million, easy, uh, contract to kind of get rid of when if you're the Chicago Cubs, you don't want to go full rebuild, but you know that the writing is on the wall that your core teams from the mid 2000, late 2010s, are either on the wrong side of 30, their contracts are coming up, or their play wasn't what they were uh, back in, back uh, five-plus years ago. So uh, dumping easy salary, one year, $4.5 million, Jacques Peterson to the Braves. The Braves, a matter of fact, if we, if we look at both teams, uh, the Cubs are sitting at 45-46, and 46, uh, game under 500, eight games back of Milwaukee. In first place in essential, seven and a half back uh, in the wild card standings. They've dropped seven out of their last ten games. Remember, they're on eleven game uh, losing streak after eleven, twelve, somewhere wrong along those lines. Losing streak after their combined no hitter against the Dodgers a few weeks ago, and ever since then they've they've just hit the wall and they have not recovered. And at, quite at a bad time too, because they were a team heading into this season that. Their play, uh, their play to finish out the first half in the month of July really uh, was uh, was the focal point and was the uh, and was the catalyst of whether or not they sell or try to add more to do what they can to compete in the, in this 2021 Major League Baseball season. They hit the wall at the wrong time uh, to close for the you know in the month in the early parts of July. They have not recovered. They see the running on the wall. Say hey. We, you know, we got we to gotta cut ties with as many players as we can that we feel is, is going to be smart for our team going forward. Jacques Peterson is the first to go. Interesting to see if Chris Bryan or anybody else uh, goes between now and July 31st, the trade deadline. The From the Atlanta Braves standpoint, they're two games under 500, but their season isn't, isn't uh, I mean, it feels in some ways it feels more bleak than uh than the Cubs than the Cubs is because of the fact they lost their best player in Acuna for the year uh with the torn ACL. They were a team that again three one lead in the NLCS against the Dodgers last October. Uh you know were one win away from going to the World Series and this is a team that's made the playoffs for a for you know uh for a, a for a consecutive amount of years and you know they got they got World Series aspirations as does franchises of the Mets and the Dodgers and, and the Padres and teams of that of the uh, and teams of the, of that nature. They they've just sputtered. They they began the season in April and they have not gotten the gotten their feet under. They have not gotten their feet uh, under them. They're eighteen and twenty eight against five hundred or better uh, clubs this season. They are very mediocre at home and very mediocre on the road. Again, they just they have not taken off as a team that you know was is up there was up there with the Mets and the Phillies to take the division and, and as a team that is a that is a National League that is a National League uh, 
a championship finalist from the from the previous October. Um, they only they are in third place as they are the Cubs, but the difference is is that the NL East is wide open and it's even a little bit and it got a little bit more open this time around because the Grom's going to miss some time uh, with some form with some form issues. They are now only they're only four games back of the Mets, who only six games six games above five hundred and in first place. Uh, Atlanta is four four games out of the division lead. Wild card, you'd figure to be with how competitive the NL the NL West is, and then of course the and then of course uh, it looks like it's going to be a two team ra- two team race between the Brewers and the Cincinnati Reds in the NL Central. You know they're on, they're only four games out of uh, of stealing first place uh, from the Mets in the NL East. Um, so the so the Braves are tr- essentially trying to salvage whatever is left. In what has been a nightmarish season up until this point, of course, with their Roberto Roberto Osuna, the Marcelo Zuna mess, um, and and with the domestic violence and everything else, this season has just not gone the way that you would hope for if you are a uh, Atlanta Bra- uh, Atlanta Brave player or fan. So they're trying to salvage uh, whatever left, uh, whatever is left of the season that they can salvage before their season uh, goes down the toilet. Like another, like a uh, what's the perfect segue to a team that whose season is already down the drain and they're finished, they're dead, they're done at two games of above five hundred, at forty six and forty four, and then even twenty three and twenty three at Yankee Stadium. New York Yankees are finished. New York Yankees got blanked by the Red Sox four nothing on Friday night. They cannot hit. They only mustered up. Three, they mustered up three three uh, lousy hits in the game. DJ LeMay, who uh, DJ LeMay, who had a leadoff single in the bottom of the first inning, uh, not a leadoff single, but had a single in the bottom of the first. In the well, yes, a leadoff single because he's the leadoff batter, duh. But uh, had a single to lead to lead it off in the first inning. Yankees a couple batters later grounded uh, grounded into uh, grounded into a double play, which what the Yankees do best is is with the ultimate rally killer and that's grounding into that godforsaken double play three hits on the night Stanton uh, excuse me Eldor had a double the who had a lousy single and uh, Allen who came in to, uh, to pinch it for uh, their right fielder uh, I never heard of this cat prior to last night uh, who was of course in for Judge who's out who's out going to miss some time with the COVID with the uh, COVID outbreak Trey Ambergery who what yeah Trey Ambergery who uh, who's the starting right fielder in place of Judge got pinch hit for uh, on Friday night and and the guy that came in the pinch hit for him uh, Allen came in and got a uh, and got a knock. Uh, as to get the Yankees third and final hit of the night, uh, and then of course you know you know the Yankees pitching wasn't terrible, but again when you're playing against the Red Sox team that you have to capitalize on in the next you know next two weekends they're going to be playing the Boston Red Sox and these key divisional opponents, and if the and if their season comes down to tiebreakers whether it be for wild card or whether it be for wild card or AL East division, whatever it is, you cannot afford, you know, especially the first game to start the, to start the second half of the season. Yes, I understand the COVID outbreak, but you can't first game first game to kick off the second half of the season when your previous game, your bullpen and Chad Green absolutely imploded on the road 
against the against Altuve and the Astros. Like I've said uh, nine thousand times within the last uh, last two programs, you can't come out there and and at, you know at home in front of a nationally televised audience on MLB Network and get blanked four to nothing and allow Jordan Montgomery to uh, to allow the Red Sox to have a three to have a three run second inning. I mean, it, 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 it just it just get, and the score and, and then the score a uh, insurance run in the eighth when your team when your team can't hit their way out of a paper bag. I mean, that is just uh, it, it, it can't happen if you're the New York Yankees. You can't have it. They're dead. They're done. They're finished. Their starting pitching outside of Garrett Cole has been very spotty. Their bullpen, which was not, which was a uh, which was a uh, strength, has now become just as much of a weakness as their bats are. You know, they Boone can't trust Chapman. Chapman, you know, Chapman was not uh, was not unhittable and was not a uh, one two three. You know, uh, top of the ninth inning. Uh, well, top of the ninth inning uh, when he came. Well, he didn't come in in the ninth inning, but you still get. He made an appearance late in the game. Uh, late in the game, just so he can get some work in. Uh, in in late in the game on Friday night, so he and he did not get through it unscathed. The one, two, three. Goodbye, good night. See you tomorrow. Uh, so Boone lost uh, has lost his faith in Chapman. The bullpen again, Chad Green, and not anything to write home about. What was their strength has not become uh, one of an one of many Achilles heels on this team. This team is an all or nothing baseball team. They either hit the ball out of the ballpark left and right, and the uh, and are stacked to the gills uh, with uh, with home run hitting talent, whether it be. Sanchez, uh, whether it be Sanchez, whether it be Odor, whether it be Stan, whether it be Judge, whether it be whether it, whether it be Glaber Torres who can't hit his way out of a paper bag hitting two thirty seven this season, whether it's DJ LeMahieu hitting a hitting a very underwhelming two seventy, uh, Odor can't hit. They they went and got him off of waivers, hitting two nineteen, not good enough. Uh, Brett Gardner, the uh, the the sole left-handed bat they have in the lineup. The Yankees, for years, have always depended on that left-handed bat to get them over the top and taking advantage of the short porch out there and right, whether it be at the old Yankee Stadium or the or the uh, or the quote-unquote new one that they've played in for the past uh, 11, 12 years. Brett Gardner, you know, who was a solid, who was a sat one of the more solid players and one of the more solid. Left-handed bats in their lineup in seasons past has now become a freaking liability. He can't hit a lick either. When 0 for 4 Friday nights hitting 190 on the season with a 297 slugging percentage and an on-base percentage of 3.0 of slightly above 300. I mean the Yankees are dead, folks. The Yankees are dead. The Yankees are finished. They're not gonna get a nice little hot streak to ride themselves into October. The, you know the bullpen is gonna all of a sudden turn it around and Chapman all of a sudden is gonna be on a consistent basis become unheadable against good talent. Nobody cares what they do against the Orioles. Nobody cares what, what they do against the Orioles and 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 the gob and the garbage teams amongst the uh, amongst the rest of the American League. Nobody cares. What they do what they do against the top heavy teams, the Red Sox, the I mean I understand they're done for the season with the Astros, but the Red Sox, the Rays Teams that are, teams that are looking to teams that are looking to uh, keep the Yankees out of postseason play, that that they may have to face if they get in, if they somehow some way 
uh, luck their way into playing October baseball. Those are the teams they're going to have to beat on a consistent night in, night out, game in, game out, day in, day out basis. Nobody cares what they do against against the bottom against the bottom feeders. You know who are uh, you know who are stocking up draft picks. The Yankees' goal is not to be stocking up draft picks. The Yankees' goal is to be is to be competitive with the large payroll that they have and win championships. But and I do not. And this team is. I mean, the, 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 to be quite honest with you, if you if, if, to be quite honest with you, they lost that still the Yankees season. It wasn't when Chapman imploded against the Twins when they couldn't sweep them and Nelson Cruz at the walk off home run. It wasn't when they. Uh, it, w- it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't their loss to. Um, when they allowed the Angels to come all the way back at the beginning of the month of July, one that. It was it was it was it was it was Sunday it was Sunday afternoon. Here it is, as as John Sterling said, had their best win of the season, not even twenty four hours prior, with Garrett Cole's complete game shutout going on, going the distance, one hundred and twenty nine pitches, the whole nine yards, and then less than twenty four hours later, their their bullpen and Chad Green implodes, and they somehow some way allow Altuve and the Astros to get him again. That was the official coup de grace in my eyes of the New York Yankees season, and I and I said this prior to Friday night's game. I called in. I called into my man Chris Mad Dog Russo. I said, "Dog, the Yankees are finished. The Yankees are done." Okay, the, the coup de grace to their season was, was was as soon as the ball left Altuve's bat and went into the left field. Uh, went into the left field porch at Minute Maid on Sunday. That was the official coup de grace to the Yankees season. They're, they're dead. They're not coming back. There's nothing in my eyes that's that, that's going to convince me otherwise. Uh, up and down that lineup, that they can somehow, some way, hit their way out of a funk again. It's either home run, another strikeout, one extreme in the next. They hit more. Du- they hit into more rally killing double plays when they when they actually do get guys on base than anybody in the sport. Their average, their batting average with runners in scoring position is 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 one of the league is amongst the league's worst this season. And again, they're starting pitching outside of Cole, who's been spotty, who's been spotty ever since the sticky tack, this excuse me, the spider tack cracked down uh, among you know in his own right. He's been he's been he hasn't been the Garrett Cole that we've seen the first two two and a half months of the season. But it's just the team team's finished. Team's finished. Don't trust the starting pitching. Bullpen's a mess. They can't hit. And Aaron Boone is not is not is is no Casey Stengel. He's no Billy Martin, and he damn sure is no Joe Torrey. He he's enough enough of Aaron Boone, please. And I I, don't, I do not know what Boone's deal is, but if I was running the team, he if, if I was running the team, I would I would have fired him. I would have fired him. The big one. I would. I would have. I would have let him go after the Angel loss. You know, some, something's got to give. Him, Cashman, both. Somebody's got to give. And I and I would ponder it. I would. And you may think I'm nuts. I'm not. I would ponder and seriously think about trading Aaron Judge. Hell of a player. You're not paying him big time money yet, but you, but only a fool would only a fool 
would stick with would stick and stay on the path that the Yankees are on right now. And the path the Yankees are on right now is a path for mediocrity and disappointment. Cuz yeah, they'll yeah, they'll beat up on the teams that are bad because because it's, you know, Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton if they're ever in the lineup at the same time are better than uh, you know, are are going to be better than uh than um then uh, Anthony Santander and um, I'm trying to think of another Oriole outfielder that isn't Cedric Mullins uh, is better than Anthony Santander and Ryan Mountcastle. I get that, and I mean, you'll take a Rodas Chapman any day of the week over Cole Sulzer or uh, or, um, or what's his face uh, Valdez, the, uh, the Cesar Valdez, the closer from my Ori- the former closer of my Orioles who stank. So, you, uh, so of course they're going to win games and beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. But when it comes to playing top-heavy competition, Yankee Yankees are up to no good. Up to no good. And and even when they play, and even when they play the other mediocre teams, such as you know, such as the Angels, for instance, they crap the bed. You know, Twins Twins are are are. One of the, uh, up there with the Braves, I just talked about, and one of the more disappointing teams in the sport this season. And Chapman folded like a cheap suit and allowed Cruz to hit that home run to to close, you know, in late in late June. So they, they're done. I'm sorry, they're done. And I honestly will look into trading Judge. You know, if they're not paying him the big time money, they're not paying him the big contract that no team would wanna t- would wanna take o- would want to uh, take on for themselves. It's not like that. He's a terrible player. You know, if you put Aaron Judge on the market, I guarantee you'll get a couple of calls. Seeing no Chris Davis, so I guarantee you get you a couple of calls. And you and if and if and if the right team and the right GM has the right offer, you could get a decent amount for Aaron Judge in return. And you're not paying and you're not paying him the big money. And to be quite honest with you, from a Yankee perspective, he's too hurt, too much, for him to warrant the big money and to basically make and for and for the Yankees to make him the quote unquote face of their franchise for the next ten plus years. Because he's, he, I mean, he as great as a talent as he is, it's just like can you really pay a play a guy two hundred, three hundred million plus dollars when he's only when he's only good for a hundred and twelve, hundred and fifteen, hundred, hundred and twenty games a season. Not in my eyes. When when you when you're the New York Yankees and you are and you're already paying Stanton a bunch to strike out of on an, on average about three times a game, not in my eyes, not in my eyes. I honestly would look into trading Aaron Judge. People gonna call me crazy. You can't do anything with Stanton because Stanton yeah, we teams know what they're getting with Stanton plus no team. Uh, no team. You know Stanton isn't making any. Stanton is making. Money hand over fists, and there's only uh, there's uh, I can count on one singular hand what teams would be willing to take Giancarlo Stanton's contract, but Aaron Judge is making you know chump change compared to what Stanton's making, and you and if you package together the right deal and the right team comes comes uh or not comes calling but answers the phone, you could get a decent amount for Aaron Judge. I honestly would look into trading him and. 
getting, and if not that, certainly looking into to uh, telling uh, Cashman and Boone to uh, and giving them the pink slip because something's got to give. I mean, they, these are the big bad New York Yankees now. New York Yankees. I mean, when it, when it comes to to what have you done for me lately in the last you know ten years or so, the Kansas City Royals, the 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 Royals fans can talk a little, can talk a little smack over the Yankees fan because when it comes to what's what's yeah the Yankees are on national television and. And you know they they've been in the, they've been in the postseason and they've been in the ALCS a lot more recently than the Royals have, but the rank but the Royals have been in two World Series and have won one of them within the last ten years. Last time the Yankees were in the World Series and won it, I was what seven years old. I'm about three hundred some odd days away away from turning twenty. Yankee, last time the Yankees won a World Series, I was seven, and that was with the and that was with the remaining parts of their core championship teams from the late '90s and early 2000s. Jeter, you know, Mariano Rivera, going on and on. So, but but the, my main point is the Yankees are done, and their coup de grace to their season was. Altuve's three-run walk-off home run to uh, put the final nail in the coffin in the 2021 Yankees season. Anyway, that's your show here on this Saturday. If you like what you heard, please subscribe if you're new to the program. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram again at the J Shield. I will talk to you all on Wednesday to talk NBA Finals and Whatever pops up in the sports world. It's your boy Josh Shields. I'll talk to you then. Enjoy game five. See ya.